All right, slap three people, high five, and you can be seated this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, what a great day to be in the house of the Lord, man. We're glad you're here today. We're glad to be here. We're excited about what, hey, nice corduroy britches, sunshine. So, good to be here, man. We are here today. Um, it's always good to come hang out, love to worship, love, love to hear the Word of God. And so today, today is actually what is known as Pentecost Sunday. And so we're excited about that. Um, Pentecost Sunday, I want to take just a minute and explain to you what Pentecost really means. What does that mean? Because sometimes in our world, we hear Pentecost, and if you're like me, if you're from a non-spirit-filled background, or you're a non-Pentecostal, you go, oh my God, that's that Pentecost crazy, you know, hand raising, all that kind of stuff. Pentecost is actually an Old Testament festival. If you read the Old Testament, you know, man, you know what I love about the Old Testament? Lots of stuff. But I'm going to tell you, those folks in the Old Testament, they knew how to celebrate. They had festivities. They had celebrations all the time. They were celebrating. And I just think sometimes us first century Christians, it would, it would do us some good to go back and learn how to celebrate. Because you know what? You go to a lot of churches and there ain't no celebrations. It's a bunch of sore, sour heads, suck the lemon. I'm mad at the world going to endure this miserable old church service just so I can say I did. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a celebration. And so Pentecost, it's a festival also known as the Feast of Weeks in the Old Testament. It was 50 days after Passover. Now, Passover is when the Passover, the debt, the Passover angel, you know, when they, in the Old Testament, they took the blood and put over the door and the death angel came by and if he saw the blood, he would pass over and nobody would die. Ultimately, we should know this, that the Passover blood in the Old Testament, the blood of the lamb was foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus Christ and when the death angel passes over us, if we're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, the death angel can't get us, then we're gonna make our way from earth to heaven someday. Woo! I don't know about you, but that's something to celebrate about. Come on, somebody. That's Passover. And so Passover turned into Easter. And then after Easter, 50 days, Pentecost. 50 days, Feast of Weeks. P Passover, I mean, Pentecost meant um, it was to celebrate the first fruits. And so the first fruits we know is Christ Jesus. And so today, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk, we're going to open the book of the, the, the Bible. I'm going to read you lots of scripture today. I'm going to read you a lot of scripture about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read to you from the book of Acts when the first time the Holy Spirit was poured out. And, and, and I'm going to tell you right up front that this message that I'm fixing to share with you today, this message, look at me, look, 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 this message changed my life. It ultimately changed my life forever. I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story in a minute, how I grew up going to church and I grew up knowing what I should do and what I needed to do, but I just couldn't do it on my own. I just found myself failing. I just found myself not strong enough and I didn't have enough power. And when I heard this message, it opened my eyes. This is a message that I believe the entire church needs to hear. I don't care if you're Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, Assemblies of God, Catholic, I don't care. Every born again believer needs to hear this message today because it changed my life and I believe it will change your life as well. I'm going to pray right quick before we read scripture and then I'm just going to ask God, God would you open our minds? 
God, would you open our hearts? Would you open our understanding? For those who have no clue about the Holy Spirit, open our mind, renew our mind right now. For those of us who think we know it all about the Holy Spirit and who have experienced it, God, renew our minds. Open our minds, open our understanding to just receive this word today. We love you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... Amen. So I'm fixing to read you some scripture. Matthew 26. Jesus has has is about to be crucified. Jesus has been arrested. And here's what happens. Matthew 26. First of all, let me tell you, I'm going to talk to you about two people today. Everybody say two people. I'm going to talk to you about one guy over here that didn't get it all right, and then another guy who is kicking butt in the kingdom of God. We all want to be this guy. Can I hear an amen? So Matthew 26. Meanwhile, verse 69. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside the courtyard. This is Peter, the apostle Peter. And a servant girl came over to him and said, you're one of those that was with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it. Peter said, no, 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 I don't even know what you're talking about. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed Peter and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter denied it. This time with an oath, I don't even know who Jesus is. A little later, one of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter swore and cussed and said, curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know Jesus at all. And then, the rooster crowed. And suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Jesus had told him, before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter went away weeping bitterly. The first guy, this is him. This is Peter. The, the, the last picture we see of him in the book of Matthew, he is weeping bitterly. He is a broken man. He has he is dejected. He has screwed it up. He has turned his back on his best friend. He has denied his pastor. He is a broken, messed up individual. What I'm going to tell you about this, Peter, is, is this. This is no ordinary guy. This is the apostle Peter. This is the apostle Peter. Jesus is beginning his ministry, and Jesus is beginning to build his team. He chooses 12 people to be on his original team. And he's walking by the seashore, and he sees Peter and his brother Andrew. Jesus handpicked Peter to be on the team. This is not an ordinary kind of guy. This is Peter chosen by Jesus. Never forget, this is Peter who walked on water. Come on, somebody. They're all in the boat, and Jesus is walking on water, and everybody's scared. They're like, oh, my gosh, it's a ghost. And Peter said, no, that's Jesus. He said, can I come out there? And Peter stepped out of the boat, and Peter walked on water. This is Peter who was with Jesus. He spent every moment. This is Peter who was with Jesus. you got to love these old stories about Jesus. Jesus had a friend named Lazarus, and Lazarus died while Jesus was out of town. Several days later, Jesus shows up to the town, and, and Lazarus, he's buried in the graveyard. And Jesus walks in with the authority and the power that only Jesus has. He walks into the graveyard, and he says with a loud voice, Lazarus! Come forth. And Lazarus, who was dead, gets up out of the grave, pulls off his grave clothes, and he is alive forevermore. Just a little side note there. You know why Jesus hollered Lazarus when he walked into the graveyard? Because if he had just said, come forth, everybody in the graveyard would have got up. Peter saw that. 
Peter is the one that, 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 that went to the top of the mountain with Jesus and the glory of God came down and God spoke, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Peter had seen Jesus turn water into wine. Peter had seen the woman with the issue of blood healed. Peter had seen Jesus do lots of stuff. Peter was a believer. Peter was a follower. Peter had thrown down his net, his family business, denied that, gave up his life to follow Jesus. But Peter made a horrible mistake. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Peter made a horrible, horrible mistake in a moment when he needed to be strong, at a moment when the fire was turned up hot, at a moment when his best friend Jesus needed his support. Peter sat down by the fire with the enemy. Peter tried to blend into the world. Peter was afraid of what people might do to him. And Peter said, I don't even know Jesus. And he's broken, full of shame, full of guilt, full of condemnation full of unworthiness. Remember that guy in your mind. How many can say, I don't want to be that guy? Remember him. I want to talk to you about another guy in the Bible, another person in the Bible. I'm just going to read you some scripture about what this other person did. Acts chapter 2, verse number 14. Listen to this. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Then Peter, oh yeah, this guy's name is Peter too. The first guy was Peter, but the second guy's name is Peter. And you're going to see in a moment that there is a huge difference between the first Peter and the second Peter. We're going to look at that. Acts 2, 14. Then Peter stepped forward. Remember, this is the, 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 the Pentecost celebration. There are multitudes, thousands upon thousands of people gathered in Jerusalem. Then Peter stepped forward with the other 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, not quietly, shouted, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this, Acts 2.21. But everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, Acts 2.36. So let everyone in Israel, this guy is standing in front of multitudes, shouting. Let everyone in Israel know for certain that God made Jesus, whom you crucified. You see, a little different attitude. He is both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This guy stands up, speaks and preaches boldly. Watch what the result of his preaching is. Acts 2.41 those that believed that what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, 3,000 people and all. Remember the first guy? Scared, blending in, denying Christ? Look at this guy named Peter. Boldness, steps up with the other 11, shouts it out from the rooftops. You crucified Jesus. What do you need to do? You need to repent, you godless, faithless generation. You need to repent. You need to believe in Jesus. You need to be baptized. His words were anointed. They pierced the hearts of the people, and 3,000 of them got saved that day. Quite a bit of difference. I mean, this guy over here is weak and meek and mild and panty-waisted. This guy over here is bold and courageous and ballsy, and he shouts it out. What is the difference between these two guys? 
what changed this Peter into this Peter. This new Peter, he's a force to be reckoned with. This new Peter, he's doing damage to the kingdom of darkness. What changed them, weak Peter, from being the first century preacher? Peter, this new guy, he went on to write two books of the Bible, First and Second Peter. Just a little historic fact, you won't find this in the Bible, but historians will tell you that this Peter right here ultimately was crucified for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They said, shut your mouth, quit preaching, and he said, I will not quit, and they took him and they nailed him to the cross, a cross, much in the way they did Jesus, but you know what this Peter said? I am not worthy to be crucified in the same way that my Messiah was, and they crucified Peter upside down. He ultimately gave it all. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Obviously, two different people. My question is this. What changed this guy into this guy? How did he make the transition? I want us to turn to scripture, okay? Because today's not about your denomination. And it's not about your, your denominational doctrine. And it's not about what your grandmother taught you. Today is about let's go to the word of God. Let's look at Matthew. And then we've looked at Acts. What happened between Matthew 26 and Acts chapter 2? Something had to happen in there that changed this guy named Peter. And here's where we can find the answer. Luke chapter 24. Jesus' last words, he's about to be, he's been crucified, buried, resurrected, hung around with the guys. And here's what he says, Luke 24, 49. And now, these are Jesus' words, I will send the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit. the Holy Spirit. Now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father has promised. God the Father had promised that when Jesus left the earth, he would send the Holy Spirit. How many of you know when God promises, he always carries it out? Now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father had promised. Jesus says, but you need to stay here in the city. Stay here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Not power from your money. How many of you know money gives you power? Not power from your influence. Influence gives you power. Not power from your family name because your family name can give you power. Wait here until you get some power from heaven. Power from heaven to come. And then Jesus led them to Bethany, lifted up his hands to heaven. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So they worshiped him and they went to Jerusalem filled with joy and they spent their time in the temple praising God. Jesus said, I got some work for you to do, but you can't do this work on your own. You don't have enough power. You don't have enough strength. You don't have enough grit. You need to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. These people said, I trust God. These people said, I trust Jesus. And they went to Jerusalem. You're going to find out later that they go to Jerusalem and they spend 10 days in an upper room. They spend 10 days praying. 10 days praying for the promise of the Father, praying for the Holy Spirit. Can I just say something to you? Look at me. Look, 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 look. Some of us give up on the promises of God after 10 minutes of prayer, much less 10 days. People say to me all the time, why don't we see more prayers answered? Why don't we see more miracles? Why don't we see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit? And I say, because we're not willing to wait, and we're not willing to be patient, and we're not willing to pray over 10 minutes, much less however long it takes to see the power of God fall. Oh, y'all got quiet on that, didn't you? Acts 1, 3 through 5. Let me read you some more scripture. 
during the 40 days after he suffered and died. Let me explain this to you. Jesus dies on Easter celebration. He hangs around for 40 days with them, and then he, he, he's about to take off. So during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he's a, resurrected for 40 days, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. You remember he went in the upper room with them. They were locked behind the doors. He stepped through the door. He showed himself to Peter and John. He appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways he was actually alive. Remember, look at the, my hand, look at my side. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Watch verse number four. Once while he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised, as I told you before. You know what I love about this? Some of you knuckleheads, I have told you things over and over and over again, and you still don't get it. Even Jesus said, I have to tell him again. Let me remind you one more time. Stay in Jerusalem. Jesus knew they would be tempted to lose patience. Jesus knew they were tempted to not stay the full 10 days. But Jesus said, let me remind you again, knuckleheads. Stay in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. Verse number 5, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I love that. John baptized with water. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been baptized in the baptismal waters? Let me see you just raise your hand. Baptized, dunked under the water. Look, where, and it's good, and I'm glad, and what a time to celebrate. But, but, but Jesus just said, John baptized with water, but there's coming another step where you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, y'all. Could this be what we're missing in the church? Could this baptism of the Holy Spirit, could this celebration of Pentecost, could it be what we are lacking that to give us the power to be all we can be? Because how many of you know, how many would admit, I need a little bit more power in my life? A little more power to say no to sin, a little more power to say yes to you, a little more power to hold my tongue, a little more power to control my messed up mind. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power. Everybody shout power. Power from where? Power from heaven. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Look. Matthew 26, Peter's a failure. Acts chapter 2, he preaches with conviction and 3,000 people get saved. What happened in between? The power of the Holy Spirit fell and baptized Peter. That's what changed this loser into this guy who was a great and mighty warrior for the kingdom of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's, abs it's all it is. It is the promise of the Father. How many of you know God does not give bad gifts? Come on, somebody. When God promises you something, it's something that you need and something that I need. I told you earlier, this message changed my life. This message changed my life. I'll be honest with you, and I'm going to tell you this. I am your pastor today of 21 years because I heard this message. I grew up pretty much going to church. I grew up with my family, my grandmother and my granddad, they took me to church. Uh, my mom and dad went to church. We grew up going to church. It was Wiley Baptist Church. Oscar Fanning was my preacher growing up. We had a pew at that church. I think my family bought that pew because it was their pew and nobody ever, ever sat in that pew, you know what I mean? 
it was our pew. We went to church. But, but if I'm honest and I'm telling the truth, it was a little bit out of religion. It was a little bit out of duty. It was a little bit out of, you know, this is what we do. And we went to the church. And, you know, I mean, I got to be honest with you. When I was a kid, you know, in the church pew back there, most of the time I slept, you know. They had envelopes. You know, you could put your money in with them little bitty pencils. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I would sat down on my end, and I would get my envelope, my pencil out, and I would say, hey, Nanny Jean, because we always ate lunch at Nanny Jean's. Nanny, what's for lunch today? And I would hand it to my mama, who would hand it to my sister, who would hand it to my granddad, who would hand it to my grandmother. And my grandmother, the, I could take, the, the answer is always the same. Either roast or fried chicken. That's what we had. And we would do that, you know what I mean? It was just church, you know? I mean, we did church. And, and, and then I got to tell you this, though. When I was young, I always had a little bit of a desire for the things of God. You know, I was a knucklehead, but I always had something inside of me. I wanted more, and I, I felt like I should do more, and I wanted, I really did want to do right, and I wanted to be a good example. You know, um, uh, at Wiley Baptist Church, we went on Sundays, but I felt this deal, and on Wednesday nights, I found out they had RAs. Any of y'all Baptist kids remember RAs? Royal ambassadors. It was young men's class. And so Wednesday night I said to my mom, Mom, would you take me and drop me off at church? And I started going to RAs. And believe it or not, after I got plugged into RAs, I was like, you know what? I'm going to join the youth choir. Man, I was in the youth choir. I ain't lying. Wiley Baptist does that deal called the living Christmas tree. Where, you know, I sang in the living Christmas tree one year, y'all. It's true. And then on Wednesday nights, I always had this, I was always drawn to older people. You know, I mean, I just was. I, my granddad was my hero in life, and I loved that generation. Well, I found out on Wednesday night after RAs and after youth choir practice, right before church, they had an old folks meal over there. Cost $2, and it was canned corn and canned green beans and some old broiled chicken. It was horrible. But I'd take my $2 on Wednesday night, and I'd hang out with old folks and, and eat supper with them. And so uh, I'm just saying I had, I had a lot of things in my life that were good influences on me that would propel me to the next level. Oscar Fanning, that preacher, love him. Love him to death. And you know what I would do? I, wanted, I always had attraction to the stage. You know what I would do on Sunday mornings? I would sit on the, on the pew up there, a little short pew. You know, that's back when the preacher sat on the stage. I would go sit with Oscar during the song service. They didn't have worship service. They had song service back then. I would sit with him. And as he would get up and go preach, I would get up and go sit back down with my grandparents. And then he had this song leader. His name was Ken Mayhall. Many, many times on a Wednesday night. I mean, it was like this, too. It was like old school, you know. Oh, victory in Jesus. My, that's what it, just what it was. Many Wednesday nights, Ken Mayhall would pick me up and walk up to that big old wooden pulpit and take my hand and direct music like this to the church as we sang. And then when it was over, I'd go sit back down. I always, and so what I'm trying to say to you, you guys is I had a pretty good start and I knew what to do and I knew to get plugged into the church and I had a lot of good things going for me. I was blessed as a childhood, but then I got a little older, but then I got a little older and, and, and I made some few mistakes. And I made some more mistakes, and I made some more mistakes, and I finally kind of denied my faith, and I did some things, and I, much like that first guy, Peter, I found myself at a place of brokenness. I found myself at a place of unworthiness. I had started drinking alcohol. I had become an infidel. I had committed adultery. I had messed up my family name. I, for the first time in my life, walked around with my head down. I wouldn't even look people in the eye because I was so full of shame and unworthiness. For the first time in my life, I 
I would lay down at night and it was hard for me to go to sleep because I had this wrestling on the inside of me. I had become the person that I swore I would never become. And can I just tell you something? Much like this first guy, Peter, you know what the Bible says about this first guy, Peter, that was screwed up and messed up and found himself far from God? The scripture says that he started following Christ further and further away. Further and further away. Can I just tell you, look at me. Look, 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 look. Your ultimate demise and your ultimate defeat and your ultimate failure in your spiritual life in the kingdom of God will start with you taking one step further away from Jesus. Because you know what? You can be at church shouting and praising amen, thanking God for the blood of the lamb, and you take one step away and you start following a little bit further off. And at the beginning, you'll feel convicted, but next thing you know, you become conditioned to being this far away. And next thing you know, the enemy worms his way in, and you take one more step. And you'll be convicted at first, but then you'll become conditioned, and you'll go, oh, this is just part of it. And next thing you know, you will be further and further and further away from the kingdom of God, justifying your lifestyle, justifying your sin, justifying where you are, where you are. And I'm going to tell you, at that point, you'll wake up like me and Peter. Broken, crying, and beat up. Feeling like you have screwed it all up. That's the way my life started. I grew up knowing a lot, and I slowly moved further and further and further away. And then, in the middle of the worst time of my life, can I be real with y'all? In the middle, when my life, I had done the worst things ever. In the middle of all that mess, in the middle of the pig pen, in the middle of just really almost ready to throw in the towel and give it up, in walks this left-handed, fiddle-playing, blonde-headed, spirit-filled woman into my life at Stanford, Texas. Me and Billy Lamb won the saddle and double-mugging over. That's something I always wanted to do, 1993. We're around there fixing to get the saddle and get the, get the, get the awards, and here comes this blonde-headed gal. She'd come around there and said she was looking for a champion cowboy, and she said she picked out the best-looking one back there that night. <laughs> she had on a pair of them red Rocky Mountains. Dear Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Thank God. Bring back the Rocky Mountains, Lord was our life, was it perfect from that moment on? No, it was messed up, it was rough, it was rocky, but I started going to church with her a little bit. And you know what? Her family, great family, family that loved God, family that was faithful, her father and mother. And, 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 and you know what? Even in the middle of our mess, the steps of good men and women are ordered by the Lord. And it was not an accident that we, I was where I was and that God brought her into my life. And that night, you know what? And I started going to church with her a little bit. I started going to church with her because I liked her and there was something different about her and she's kind of cute too, you know. I started going to church and the first church we went to was Glad Tidings Assembly of God in Abilene, Texas. There's about 30 people there. It was old-fashioned. It was old-style. But I'm telling you, when we went in that church for the first time, there was something different about it. These people were smiling and, you know, Connor talked about joy earlier. These people had some joy and formerly I had never seen anybody in church that had any joy. These people were clapping. Jennifer was playing the fiddle. Her daddy was playing the trombone. This lady named Shirley was pounding on that piano over there. They had them tambourines going. They was clapping and shouting. I'm telling you, I didn't know what it was, but something grabbed a hold of me that day. Was that a perfect church? No, but it was a church that embraced Pentecost and the power of the Holy Spirit, and it was the Holy Spirit in that place that grabbed my heart that day. 
And it started something in me, this hunger and this longing. And then Jennifer and I finally got married and got through that rough time that we were in. And we got married and we moved to Tongue River and then we moved to Guthrie and we started going to a church up there in Roaring Springs, Texas. Pentecostal church, wild outlaw, ex-outlaw preacher. And I will never forget, I never ever forget the day that he preached the very message that I'm preaching to you today. I can tell you where we were sitting in that church. I can tell you I knew I had a calling. I knew God was calling me. And he preached on the, the baptism and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It was the first day I'd ever said amen in church. I felt like everybody in church was looking at me when I said amen. But I said amen. And he, at the end of church, he said, if you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, come down here. And I'm telling you, I got up on that outside, and I walked around to the front, and I said to Ricky, I said, Ricky, I'm an ex-Baptist boy, and I know the Holy Spirit's moving, and I don't get it all, and I don't understand it all, but I know that I need some power because I'm tired of screwing it up myself. And he said, you know what? Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. And that day, I prayed at the front of Roaring Springs Full Gospel Church for God to pour out His Holy Spirit and to fill me up and I'm telling you lightning bolts didn't shoot out of my butt and confetti didn't fall from heaven but I'm telling you in that moment something changed inside of me there was a total shift where I surrendered and I gave up my power and I gave up my will and the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead came and took up residence inside of me have I been perfect since that day no but since that day I have been proud to stand up and shout from the rooftops Jesus is Lord and Jesus saves this message This message changed my life. And you know what? I was mad for a lot of years. You know why I was mad? Because nobody told me about the Holy Spirit. They just expected me to get saved, baptized in water, and then I was just supposed to make it on my own the rest of the way. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Look at me. Look, 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 look. You can't do and I can't do and we can't be all that God has called us to be without His Spirit and His power living inside of us. Let me just keep reminding you one more thing. God, the God that we serve, the God of the Bible, is a Trinitarian God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Father is sitting on the throne in heaven. That's where he's been. That's where he's always been. That's where he stays, on the throne. And Jesus, after he was resurrected, he ascended to the right hand of the Father sitting there. And Jesus said, when I get to heaven, I will send the Holy Spirit back down. So rest assured and know this. The only part of our God that dwells with us daily and walks with us daily, the only part of our God that dwells on this earth is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God. Since that day, have I had to be refilled? You dang right. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. There's times that the oil ran out. There's times, and I had to go back to God and go, fill me again. God, fill me up again. This message is a pro the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. And you know what? This promise is available to you today. Just like it was available to me, it's available to you. Let me give you this scripture. Acts chapter 2, verse number 39. This promise is for you. This promise is for you and it's for your children. And to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Let me say this right quick. This, this, this promise is available to you. But I love that it says it's available to your children too. Man, you know what? We've said it before. This old world's tough right now. I'd hate to be a kid growing up in the world right now. 
But you know what? God knew the perfect timing that he, he needed our children to be alive in this earth. And God is with them and God is anointing them. And how cool would it be if we did not withhold the teaching of the Holy Spirit? What if we taught our children from a very young age about the power of the Holy Spirit? And what if some kids at 8, 10, 12, 16, 18 years old got filled with the Holy Spirit and started their marriage, started their dating life, started their career full of the power of God? How might that change the world we live in? One more scripture. I'm past my time limit, but sorry. Because this, this is me. I promise this is the last scripture, and I'm done. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. This is me. This is my story. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Everybody say believers. These are believers. Paul found some people, believed in Christ, accepted Christ, washed in the blood, born again. He found some believers. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Watch this. No, they replied. We haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. That was me. I was saved, but nobody taught me about the Holy Spirit. Verse 3. Then the baptism that you experienced, Paul said, and they replied, the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. What I want you to see there is there is a distinct difference in being a believer and then embracing and being baptized in the Holy Spirit and in the fire. Water's good, but there's another step, and it's in the fire. How many of you know we can never, ever, 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 ever go wrong? I don't care what kind of doctrine you've been taught, what kind of denominational church you went to. We can never, ever, 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 ever go wrong in saying, Lord, I want to go to the next step. And if you want to pour out your fire on me, pour it out, oh God. Conrad, worship team, come help me close. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. <clears throat> you cannot read Scripture and deny the power of the Holy Spirit. So my question to you today is this, as you look at your life and as you examine your life, I believe there will probably be many of you that are listening today you're just like me. You are saved. You've been baptized in water, but you've never, ever been willing to seek more, to go for more. You've never been taught about this Holy Spirit thing. And today I just pray that God would open up your heart and open up your mind to just say, come rest on me, Holy Spirit. Fire and wind, come fill me up. Some of you for the very first time, some of you, Maybe you need to be refilled. You need, you've burnt your oil plumb up. So, so in this moment, I just pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would just move on our hearts and minds. Open our hearts for a minute. Renew our minds. Open our understanding. Open us to surrender. To surrender. To lay it, lay it all down. And say, Lord, I need you to come. So move, Holy Spirit. What we're going to do is we're going to stand on our feet. We're going to sing one last song. We're going to sing a song about the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, just remind you right there. Go ahead, go ahead and stand up if you want to. The Holy Spirit was present from the beginning of time. Genesis chapter 1. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. 
Spirit of God. There's a time in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel when there was a bunch of dead, dry bones that could do nothing. The Spirit of God came in and these dry bones became a great, exceeding army for the kingdom of God. Let me remind you that when Jesus came up out of the waters of baptism, the Holy Spirit fell on him that day. Remind you, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. This is the promise of the Father, and we need it. Let's sing this song. Let's sing this song of worship, and then in a minute when this song is over, I want to come back and I want to pray for you, and then we're going to be dismissed. Let's worship God.